Survive. Thrive. Stay alive. It's time to get prepared with the Prepping Academy Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Prepping Academy. I am Forrest. Tonight we have a special guest, Ryan Mitchell. Ryan Mitchell has a a bio, it's a mile long. Ryan Mitchell also is on the Prepping Academy expert panel, and he's been helping me with the PrepperNet um, and getting it launched, and he's been a, a, a really good consultant giving me advice. He also does a podcast called The Preparedness Experience, I believe, and yep. he's also doing this huge thing in Vegas that I will be speaking at at the end of March, and so let's talk about that first. Ryan, how you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I've kn- we've known each other for years. Yeah, it's been a long time, man. I know, and I've never. Ha- I just, I just tonight you told me I've never had, I've never had you on my podcast, and I'm I didn't believe that. I I thought at some point I had you on, but maybe not. Yeah, and, I'm sure we talked about it. Yeah, and you are you're an expert in many different topics. And I know you're too humble to go, I'm an expert, but you are. You're you're an expert in the tiny home industry. You are one of the kingpins there. Um and uh, and you're an expert in, in many things. And so that's why I got you on my my expert panel and you know, I had to pay you the most money. <laughs> <laughs> Still waiting for that check. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's in the mail, of course. But um, oh, okay, good. Yeah. So, Ryan, this is the lame question every podcast asks in the beginning: How did you get in this industry? How did you get the tiny homes? And how did you end up doing a podcast with Brian and Dell? So that's, I mean, just yeah, go at it, man. So, uh, kind of my journey all started back in 2008 you know, with the recession and I was fresh eyed and, you know, right out of grad school, had my first job and then the economy kind of just fell out from under everyone. Right. And, uh, I remember it was a Friday afternoon and the boss came in and he said, you know, uh, guys, we're, we're closing the company today. Today's your last day. You're out of a job. And, you know, six months into my first job that I thought was going to be the start of a career, that's quite the speed bump. And, uh, yeah. you know, that was the story that was shared uh, with many, many people, right? I wasn't, by far wasn't alone in that, uh, in mm-hmm. losing my job during the recession. And luckily I went on to, to be able to find a new job pretty quickly, but most people weren't as fortunate. And it kind of just reoriented me in how I thought about things. I think it was a good time in my life. I was 23 at the time, you know, young, obviously just started my career, started, of, you know, my life and things like that. And I just said, you know, um, a lot of the things that I thought were true aren't. And uh, it's no longer the case, the world that we live, that you can work hard and, you know, have some job security. And, and that just got me to reevaluate a lot of things. And out of that came my interest in debt-free living, and that kind of led me to tiny houses, um, later started a website around that, and eventually left my job, and then it also kind of just made me step back and look at, like, what are the other things in my life that couldn't stand shocks to the system? What were things that I just wasn't resilient in, and where were my weak points? And I realized that there was, you know, things that I could do uh, that many would call prepping uh, to to kind of alleviate some of those weak points. And uh, it's been a journey ever since. Um, and then, you know, kind of fast forward to Reese about a, two years ago, maybe a year ago, uh, connected with Dale and Brian, and we decided that we wanted to kind of take this to the next level. And we this started uh, the preparedness experience, which you can find at the preparedness experience.com. Uh, 
And out of that was born the conference, which will be happening in uh, this March, starting uh, March 22nd to the 24th in Las Vegas. In Vegas. And um, goodness, I mean, you really summed up uh, many years there. But during that time, I remember meeting you. I had a meet up in Charlotte. Um, you had one of the little tiny smart cars. I mean, it, it was this oh, small, right. yeah, this small tiny smart car. And then you told me you lived in a tiny house, and I was looking at you like this guy is nuts. I mean, <laughs> and then you would, I mean, I really was. And then you were telling me, oh, well, I used to grow. I think you said you had um, acres of like tomatoes or something. You used to yeah. teach canning classes for this like the state and all this kind and I'm like, is this guy real? I mean, and then, oh, all the things you used to tell me, I just, I really looked at you like, ah, you know, I don't know about this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's all true. But, um, and so let's go to the last thing first. You said a, a big conference in Vegas. And so yeah. let's, let's, let's talk about that first thing. What is, I mean, because I'm I'm speaking there, and I, I, I actually I'm quite surprised because um, that you asked me, um, but I'm honored. And so tell me about this this preparedness survival conference that you're putting on. Yeah, so basically, me, Dale, and Brian. Um, if you don't know Brian Duff, uh, he runs runs Mind for Survival, and mm-hmm. uh, then uh, Dale also runs a podcast called. Um, Oh, it's the survivalist prepping Prepper. survival or Prepper Prepper. survival or something. Uh, yeah. survivalist Dale's going to be yeah. so mad. <laughs> He's going to be so mad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> totally not Dale at all. Yeah. Survivalist Pepper podcast. Um, and, and basically, um, they, I, I always liked their podcast because I just felt like they were, um, you know, common sense. They were approachable. Uh, I thought, you know, they were funny guys and all that. And so I met them at another event. Uh, We hit it off and we just started talking. And we realized that um, of the prepper events out there, there were a few that were, you know, pretty good. Uh, But the majority of them were just like these expo kind of formats where, you know, you basically would go, you pay, you know, 10, 15 bucks, you get in. It's basically just a bunch of vendors selling stuff. Vendors, And they yeah. may have a speaker. Yeah, they may have a speaker or two giving a, a very, like, cursory talk, um, usually some bigger names. So, like, you know, that's where they, they could draw some crowds, of course. Uh, but, you know, we and me, Dale, and Brian had all been to those type of things. So we just found that it wasn't quite what we were looking for, and we knew we weren't alone. So, Uh, We set on the task of putting together an event uh, between the three of us to run it, and the focus is going to be on the skills and knowledge and connecting other preppers with preppers. So uh, we are going very content-heavy. So we're going to have tons of speakers, a lot of sessions um, on topics that generally are going to be the step above you know, just the basics, right? We have a few little basic things in there, but uh, we know that a lot of people, you know, they've they've read online, they've listened to your podcast, they've listened to our podcast, so they have a good bearing on the basics. And we basically wanted to bring in some real awesome experts to, you know, basically take that conversation to the next level. So just some of the people that we're going to be having there, uh, we're going to have, obviously, Forrest, um, Chris Weathersman, uh, who you guys probably know as Angry American of the book series. Um, Dale yep. and Lisa Good- Goodwin. Um, so mm-hmm. Dale is going to be doing some topics on uh, communications and, and general survival. Lisa is a registered nurse, and she specializes in wound care. So she's going to be doing a, a bunch of, like, first aid stuff, and she's really great. Uh, Brian Duff. Okay. Um, quite the the history obviously one of the the people working on this but he he has quite the history with the military medical and he does medical training for uh the military and SWAT teams and things like that uh professionally in his daily life Uh, me i'll be speaking kevin Ryder, who's uh, an owner of the wilderness safety institute basically doing wilderness medicine and austere medicine 
uh, Ava King, who's going to be talking about kind of alternative energy and things like that. Uh, we have Ed Clark, who's retired Special Forces, and he's going to be talking about um, basically like operational security type of stuff. And then we have George Taylor, uh, who's going to be, you know, basically doing counterintelligence kind of stuff. So lots of great people. I think we have – it's a ton of sessions. It's over two days, two days, and we also have a bonus on Friday, which is a six-hour advanced hemorrhage control class uh, that – uh, Brian's company puts on, and it's really amazing. Uh, so that's kind of the the, the view of, of who's going to be there and what's all going to happen. Yeah, I've, I'm coming just to, I guess, I'm the multimedia guy. I'll be running the microphones and everything for all the, <laughs> the stars. Um, <laughs> the yeah. Red <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I got to sweep that before everybody comes down, yeah. So that's that's why I'm mm-hmm. coming. Um but I, I, I'm speaking on um, uh, groups, not the basics, but I'm getting into some really um, detailed things about putting the groups together. And then I think I'm speaking on a survival notebook as well. Because um, yep. mm-hmm. um, I've seen a lot of survival notebooks out there. Um, none of them look quite, quite like mine. But, um, of course, I've had 18 years to work on mine. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's exciting. And that's in Vegas, and that is, um, looking at the date here, it's 36 days, 11 hours, 33 minutes right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Timer on there. So it's um, March, March 22nd is that Friday, and then the main event is the 23rd and 24th. And so you're not, I mean, you're not looking for 1,000 people to come to this conference. So you're, um, so once this sells out, it's done, right? There's like, you can't. Yeah. You, you have yeah, a limited so capacity. Right. We At the facility that we're at, we only have 100 seats for this first year. Um, and we've already sold out a bunch of them. So we still have some seats, but once you know these seats are taken, they're gone. And, and at this point, that's all we're going to do for the year. Um, and I know we've sold the majority of the Friday session, which is uh, we only have 30 seats in that one because it's so hands-on. It's an extra $50 to do that, but, um, you know, it, it, it gets real in-depth with this. And like I said, Brian and his team have, you know, this is what they do every single day. Is they, they teach, like, SWAT military type of people on this advanced hemorrhage control. Yes, and so um, if you if you are thinking about going, you better go get your tickets quickly because it's gonna. He said a hundred a hundred um, seats, and and that's not me. I mean, that's that's intimate too. I like that, so um, everyone can um, you know meet the speakers, hang out with the speakers, and go and, and go to the different classes. Yeah, that's gonna be great. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. Um, for sure. And you've been talking, I know that, you know, we've had, we have lunch, gosh, we, I mean, just a couple of weeks ago we had lunch, but we, I mean, you've been talking about this for a long time and, uh, I, you yeah. know, finally it's getting closer. I'm, I'm pretty excited. And, um, but you can, they can find that on the preparedness experience.com, right? Correct. That, more mm-hmm. information about that. Yep. I'm there right now. Yep, you and can so, find all the, the information, the schedule, um, who's speaking, all the sessions and, the classes. and yep. then EF of the classes. And then you can also register right there. Yes. Awesome. That is, I'm looking forward to that. And I, I, matter of fact, just yesterday I got an email from a PrepperNet, fellow PrepperNet member, and he um, said he could not wait to meet me at this conference. So, and. Oh, um, awesome. Yeah. He's coming from Idaho. So I don't even know how far yeah. a drive that is, but, but he's coming down to that. Um, and he said, I think he said also in the email how I was his favorite prepper in the world and the smartest. But oh, anyway, yeah. I, won't, I, won't, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, I told you I lie a lot on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So tell me, and you guys, all this, you guys came together and you started, and you do a podcast. Tell us what you guys do on a weekly, um, and kind of what your end goal is with the um, the preparedness experience. Yeah. So basically, um, 
me, Dale, and Brian, like I said, we, we wanted to come together and, and make this event that was just very um, geared towards learning prepper stuff and, and talking about these higher level prepping skills and knowledge and, and just getting a better handle on it, really taking your prepping to the next level. Because you, know, you go on the internet, you watch a million YouTube videos, you, you listen to podcasts, and a lot of it is the basics, right? And that's really good for people getting into it. Uh, and it's also always good to just review kind of the basics, right? But at, at some point, you really need to step it up. And there's a lot that goes into all this stuff. So, uh, and, and no one can know it all, right? So that's why it's important to kind of seek training. One of the things that uh, we just did an episode each week, me, Brian, and Dale, we get on YouTube and then we we do a live video, usually Sunday night, and then we post it as a podcast <clears throat> Podcast about a week later. And one of the, the recent episodes we were doing was just me, Dale, and Brian going through what our goals were for the year, like for basically pepper goals. And uh, pretty much universally, uh, what was on our list was, you know, training. And so we talked a lot about how training and skill building was a really important part of being prepared because you can have – all the gear, all the food, all the guns, you know, whatever the equipment is, you can have it. But if you don't have the skills, it's not going to serve you very well. And you're going to probably be better off to have better skills than just a warehouse full of, of gear. So, um, you know, training oh, and skill building is important. Yeah. So um, the more you have in your head, the more skills and knowledge you have, the less you have to carry with you. Absolutely. Yes. That is um, – and I, I, one of the things that I did, I know you guys did, you were um, you kind of focused on EMPs for a while. And that's mm-hmm. kind of been – I won't say that's my thing because it's not – groups are my thing. But I yeah. recently I had – I did have Arthur Bradley on my podcast. And he – I mean, he is – I mean, he works for NASA – when it comes to EMPs and CMEs, I mean, the guy is one of the experts, probably one of the two, Vincent Pry and Arthur Bradley. And I noticed you guys, you guys have a document people can download that has a lot of good information. You have a video um, and you've done a few podcasts, or at least I know at least one podcast on it. So tell us about, was that just the EMP, the flavor of the month, or is, is that something that, you just wanted to yes. – you felt people need training on. Go ahead. Right, yeah. So kind of getting back to that, you know, we want to, you know, kind of move beyond basics. So what we did for our first year was actually teach those basics uh, on the on the podcast and on the videos. So each month we had a theme, and uh, they, they range in different topics around getting prepared. We have what we call our six areas of preparedness. Uh, which just allows people to uh, kind of have an action plan for their, you know, when they're first getting into it. And I know, Forrest, you have a really good kind of like prepping 101 kind of presentation that I've actually seen and I really enjoyed. Uh, but our, our six areas of preparedness that we focused on in that first year were food, sanitation, first aid, security, water, and shelter. And so basically we went through – uh, those six areas plus uh, some of the big disasters, so EMP being one of those, uh, natural disasters, um, civil unrest, things like that. And we basically for an entire month had different experts come on around those subjects and basically talk about it. Uh, me and Dale and Brian got on there and talked about it also, uh, different aspects of it. So you can go to the website, you can watch all those. We have awesome articles. We have great videos to go with it with some really good experts. Uh, and, you know, we, we cover cover all those basics so that when you can basically get this snapshot of, of your foundational learning and then come to the event and, you know, take it to the next level. Right. And I remember downloading that EMP document that you have. And I was – I was really kind of stunned at one, the information, but two, how beautiful it looked. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you can tell you guys, I mean, it was really, it's good quality. Um, I've never produced anything nearly as, 
as professional as that. That was that was crazy. I just, I as you know, because I do produce some, and I was thinking this must have cost a fortune just to put together. But um, I know that's what you do because you've done that for years with your other site, which we'll talk about in a minute. But um, but yeah, it was is really well done, and that was um. I was jealous, and then I was like, "I gotta, I gotta get more money so I can produce things like this, good quality stuff." Uh, And so this year, I mean, you know, the 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 great thing I see about this, which is really cool, is you. I mean, you've had people on that I've known, um, like Ross Powell. I, I know Ross for a long time. Todd from the the Prepper website. Chris Weatherman. I mean. And you also the coolest thing is his future VIP, your face here. That's cool. Tell me, tell me why you guys did that. Well, uh, basically, we want to just get more experts on, and so uh, we're always looking for people to talk with. Um, obviously, in the, the first year, we were uh, building up the content, so that was just part of um, our kind of thing. So each month, we had one main, or usually one or two main kind of speakers, and, and then we made sure we highlighted them on the site, and then, of course, did the interviews with them, and then also did, like, Q&A with our, our live audience when we do it on the video, and then that all gets put on the podcast later on. So so you're looking for VIP, new VIPs or existing VIPs. That's pretty cool. And yeah. so, but before that, we're going to go backwards. I like this. We're going, like, from future to history here. <laughs> Um, it's yeah. like back to the future. I don't know. Because um, really, we we, we <laughs> kind of talked about what we're going to do. But before even the preparedness experience, you were, you were famous even before that. <laughs> I mean, you you are are considered to be and are one of the experts in tiny homes. You have a website called the, the Tiny Life. Um yep. And you've done conferences, you've done books. As a matter of fact, I remember I was so excited about my book that I actually hit the number one bestseller. And I'm going to tell this because it, it you put me in my place, but you didn't mean to. <laughs> you know what I'm going to say? I'm like, Brian, can you believe I became a number one bestseller? I mean, with my little book and all, you know, on Amazon. And, I'm, and then I'm, and then I asked a question I should never ask. I'm like, how did oh, your no. book go? And you're like, well, my book was like number one for like two years. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so you, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, never mind. But yes, you, um, you've written two incredible books. They're still high in the, in the, in the rankings on Amazon. But tell us yeah. about the tiny life. And you built your own tiny house as well. Tell us a little bit about that. Right. And then we got some, we're going to get in some good training, good, hard learning stuff after that. Okay, cool. Yeah, so basically, uh, you know, going back to that 2008 time when I just said, uh, you know, something's got to change, right? I I realized that at at that point that hardworking, educated people who were smart and putting a good day's work and and did their job well uh, didn't have job security. And I said, okay, uh, this is the new paradigm, and, it, you know, it's going to continue to be that way. Uh, so I said, what's my reaction? What do I want to do? And I just kind of sat down and said, what do I want my life to be like? And that started a longer kind of dialogue with myself, if you will, about what's important to me, uh, what I want my, my day to look like, how I want to live my life, where do I spend my time, what's my relationship with money, and things like that. And so I I realized that when I was looking at my budget and, and part of just me assessing all this, that about half my income at that time was going towards housing between rent, utilities, insurance, and just you know general maintenance stuff and cleaning, you know, whatever. So about half my income was going towards that. So I I asked myself a crazy question. I said, if I could eliminate that line item out of my budget, that means I would basically regain half my income, which would be huge, right? It would be huge for anyone. It's, right. it's almost the equivalent of like someone just saying, hey, I just doubled your income. Right. And that's when I said, okay, 
I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't even know if it's possible. But I'm going to try to figure out a way to just eliminate that from, from the budget. And I did a lot of thinking, a lot of research, and eventually I found this picture, and this is like super early days. Tiny houses weren't even really a thing. And I found this one picture of this guy who had built this this kind of tiny house, and the, I just, just stuck in my head. And there wasn't any details about it. I just It was just enough of an, a seed of an idea for me to run with. And that's when I started thinking about, okay, well, how could I make a smaller home that I could build uh, so that I could save on the labor costs uh, that was mobile so that if I had to move for a job or, or whatever life throws at you, that I could, I could do that. And eventually I went on to build that house. I built it myself. It took me over a little over a year um, working on it just on weekends because I had my full-time job, obviously. And uh, it cost me around $35,000 to build the house. And that included the house, um, all the furnishings inside, all the you know, finishes, and my solar panel array. Uh, so today I live in a tiny house. It's 150 square feet. It's off the grid, so I don't have a power bill. And uh, I have you know, pretty much every modern convenience you can think of. It's basically just a traditional home uh, that's just a lot smaller. Um, and I've been living in it full-time for six years. And my, my rent way back when was around 1500 bucks. Uh, now I pay $15 a month. And wow. if that, that kind of number doesn't, you know, wake you up and, and start to make your brain spin with possibilities, uh, I don't know what will, because with that, I was able to, um, you know, start a website and that eventually I grew it uh, to one day where I realized, Hey, I'm making more at my website than my day job. So I left my job um, I signed a, my book contract for my first book uh, at the same time. I wrote it, uh, launched a conference for tiny houses, and then the, the rest is kind of history. So now I'm um, kind of jumping forward that the tiny life, uh, we talk about more than just tiny houses. We basically talk about how right. to live more simply. And that includes tiny houses, homesteading, and minimalism. Uh, and, all that goes into that. So that that's kind of the the history of that. Yeah. So the minimalism. That's I just can't do that. Nope. 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 <laughs> that that means I I mean in regnet words that that means you don't have a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Mean, so the thing with minimalism is basically, I sat down and said, okay, what is important to me and what isn't. And what I wanted to do is maximize the things that were important to me and minimize my time and resources spent on things that weren't. Uh, so for me, you know, free time, spending time with my family, pursuing interests and hobbies and things like that, um, having a flexible schedule, being able to travel, all those things were really important to me. So I basically just built a life that maximize those things. Wow. And, and you travel more than anyone I know, by the way. No, really? <laughs> I mean, you, you know, I mean, who goes somewhere overseas for three weeks in January? No one I know um, except yeah. you. And then you were in another country for six months or something. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I forgot. We're, we're, I mean. Yeah. So I, I've lived obviously in the States. Um, mm-hmm. I spent a couple of months over on the West Coast, just living there, you know, still doing my work because I could do my work from wherever. Right. Um, I've lived in Croatia. I've lived in Australia. And then I've traveled to 29 different countries. And, and usually those are like long-term trips, like two, three-month kind of trips. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I hate you. I mean, oh, no, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have a, you know, a family and kids and a tiny yeah. house. We couldn't, we couldn't fit in your tiny house right now, but, um, no, I don't think uh, so. My studio couldn't fit in your tiny house. <laughs> 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 so, and you do specialize in several things. Um, I mean, not only tiny houses, but 
you're 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 a, a sun oven kind of a solar oven expert because you've done a lot of research. You also do a lot of off grid living. Um, yep. You're you're I mean you're a master of a lot of trades. So and you already live off grid, but there's a lot of challenges to live off grid. Um, and when's that book coming out? Because you know even I talk about living off grid, but I don't live off grid. You are someone yeah. that actually lives off grid, and so we need experts like you to kind of correct me when I say, "Hey, you just need solar panels," and that's all. But I mean, it's more than just <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, I so, mean, so good. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, you know, living off the grid, like you're saying, most people don't do it, right? They talk about it, they dream about it. And uh, it's a, it's definitely a goal. Maybe they'll dabble, you know, buy a panel or two, and they'll they'll try to power some lights and or maybe like an outbuilding or something like that. Uh, but I I was put in the the place where I could basically build my own home, and so I built it to be optimized for basically off grid living. And that's all because I knew I was going to be off grid, or at least I you know at the time I wanted to be. That was the goal, and I ended up deciding. Uh, that it was the best option for me because uh, the Duke Power said, "Yeah, we'll we'll run a power line touch your house. Uh, that'll be fifteen thousand dollars to run that line, and then we're going to obviously give you a, a power bill." And so I was like, "Well, that's that's a lot of money, fifteen thousand dollars." And so I <laughs> I uh, started researching and pricing things out, and I realized that, huh, I could basically put together a full panel you know system for fourteen thousand dollars that would meet all my needs but then oh i get a seventy five hundred dollar tax credit on top of that and then i have no power bill for the rest of my life so that's kind of what started me on the journey what was this and so yeah i've been living off grid a hundred percent full time for six years i think now right but you do have some unique challenges um Oh, You're, I mean, I mean, um, when I buy, when I get a box from Amazon of something I bought, I just bring it in the house. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can only bring so many in your house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, like with the minimalist thing, like you don't buy a lot generally. Right. Um, but also, like you know, the thing is, when I want to buy something, I buy it. And I have no right. problem doing that. You know, I don't hate right. stuff. I don't hate purchasing or buying things. Uh, it's just, like you said, I've figured out what I really want in my life, and I just maximize to that. And so you did a, a study on on sun ovens, which was pretty – and so do you use – not sun ovens. We'll call them solar ovens um, because yeah. you tested them. And so – do you use them or, or do you, I mean, cause I'm sure you have like a microwave and just the normal stuff in your tiny house as well, but do you use the sun to cook? Yeah. So one of the challenges like you you mentioned before was I really wanted a way to basically have a crock pot um, while I was off grid and a crock pot doesn't take a terrible amount of energy, but the, one of the tricks with it is it, it, takes about a mid-level amount of power over a very long time and that can really put a damper on uh, your your parade there when you're going off of solar or even battery power Uh, so I I basically said okay I I want to try out solar ovens so I tried one and I liked what I like I saw but then I kind of had this little crazy idea pop into my head was like well how do I know that this is the best one and I didn't, you know, I, it was the only one that I'd heard of people talking about, but that doesn't mean it's actually the best. And luckily with the tiny life, I, I could kind of have some pull. So I basically called up every single major manufacturer of solar ovens that sell to the U.S. And I was able to get them to send me one. And I did a three-month test where I cooked so many meals. I, I, I lost count of how many meals. And like we did the ridiculous test where I had identically portioned out pieces of chicken that we weighed so that we made sure they were identical. And we had like all these probes and 
monitors hooked up to these things and we we timed how long things would take to cook and and so basically i spent three months going really deep on these uh solar ovens and i put it all together as one big content piece on the tiny life uh with recommendations what the results were um you know who who's this oven for versus this oven because it's not a one-size-fits-all thing and i was honestly very surprised by some of the results and and the the ovens that I initially had a lot of bias against were ended up actually being my favorites near the end. So it's a, you know, pretty cool uh, read and, and check out the full review at the tinylife.com. Yes. Um, so tinylife.com, they can get your, did you blog it or just, did you then put it all into a PDF or how is that? It's, um, it's basically a series of pages that's like this comprehensive guide and there's this menu gotcha. that you can jump around and you can read it all. And then there's even a downloadable uh, guide to build your own solar sun oven. Um, and I give you like the full directions and materials list and cut sheets and everything. Um, do you, you get, you get, do you recommend some good recipes as well? <laughs> I know that's funny. Um, actually, I don't know why. Actually, um, <laughs> probably I do. had in, oh, it, in my interviews with all, of, I actually sat down with the CEOs of every single one of the companies and did oh, yeah. interviews with them. And one of the questions was, what's your favorite recipe? And, and so I have those recipes there in the reviews. Oh, sweet. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, gosh, I'm kind of excited about it now. Um, I, I've asked, I, I'm sure I've already read it, um, but I'm going to check it out again. So what's some of the biggest challenges that you have? Now, I do know you have some challenges, and maybe that's just you. I mean, i got to tell this story, too. I'm sorry, <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> I know you kind of worry every time I say this. So, so in my house, I have multiple showers, okay? Yes. So when breaks or something happens, I can go to the other shower and take a shower. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember a few months ago, where you were saying, yeah, I got to go and take a shower. And I'm like, what's going on? But I mean, so as, as living off the grid and having your parts and some of the items you have in your um, tiny house are different than the parts and things I have in my house. And so I know a couple months ago you were traveling to take showers somewhere else, not in your tiny house. If you don't mind, I just think it's a great story. Come on, man. That's, that's challenges living off the grid. Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, so that's um, I had a a piece break in my my tiny house, and uh, basically I was just trying to diagnose it. And during then, I have a uh, you know gym membership, so I was just showering at the gym until I could figure it out. Uh, but you you know that's the thing, like you build a tiny house, and you suddenly just gain all these these skills because. Uh, I don't know if you looked at the plumber rates recently, but oh, yeah. they charge yeah. like a hundred, hundred fifty bucks an hour after they charge you ninety dollars to show up. Uh, so, you know, uh, if I happen to spend a couple extra days at the gym doing some <laughs> workouts and then take a shower after, it's probably an okay thing if I save myself four hundred bucks. That's true. I just remember you're like, I'm, hey, I, I think I called you and said, let's meet <laughs> yeah. for lunch. You're like, yeah, I need to go to the gym and take a shower. And I'm like, uh, yeah. what? <laughs> yep. <laughs> so that was, that was um, yeah. So what other challenges do you have, um, you know, being in a small house and and on the, on the solar grids? I mean, what, what if the, I mean, because we've had a lot of rain lately. How has that affected Ryan and his um, and his power in his tiny house? Yeah. So one of the, I guess, um, a couple of things with that is when you start to go off grid, you're going to quickly realize that you need to be way more in tune with what the weather is. And that's just because uh, you have to kind of match your power usage with what's kind of going on around you now i have a uh, 1100 amp hour um, battery bank basically that lets me go many days uh even if there is you know very overcast kind of clouds 
and I have a, a basically an oversized system so that even on those kind of low sun days, I can still pull in a pretty decent amount of power. Um, but it's not without its folly, right? There are times where I have to like really watch what I'm doing. Um, but as a whole, I find it to be pretty simple because I basically designed my system uh, to be designed for the worst day. And that's actually right about now. It's, it's around February. So a, end of January, early February is basically the shortest days of the month. It's the coldest days of the month or of the year, excuse me. And uh, you're just not making a lot of power. So what I basically did was use some tools to calculate what my worst production days were going to be, which fall in roughly now. And then I sized the system so that I could generally make it through those worst days uh, so that every other day is just an easier day. Um, and then I also, with, with it, you have to have backups for everything because you are your own power company, right? I can't call right. someone and say, hey, the power's out. They're going to say, good luck with that, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so I have a backup generator just in case. I have a backup cooktop just in case. I have a backup shower just in case. I have a grill. I have uh, heaters and fans and, and lights and things like that. All those are secondary systems because when it, when you live off the grid or if you are a prepper, one is none, two is one. And you always have to be able to keep on moving in life. Uh, and if you're living off the grid, sometimes you need to rely on those systems to just live your life. So, yeah, that that's uh, one of the big challenges uh, that you have. Um, but generally, it's not a huge issue. Um, you know, there's been a few times where I'm like, okay, this kind of sucks. But then I talk to my friends who have, you know, normal houses, and they're like, oh, man, I just spent $150 on power this month or $200 on power this month. Right. And I'm like, huh. yep. yeah, you know, okay. And then uh, all the friends that, like, text me and they're like, hey, can I come over and plug in my cell phone? I was like, why? Like, no one in Charlotte has power, didn't you know? I was like, no, <laughs> not really. I'm sitting over here chilling, <laughs> air conditioning, watching TV. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's funny. So, um. So there are some different um, challenges. Now, not everyone is suited for a tiny house, but I could see, and I've talked to a lot of people in the prepping arena industry that like the idea of a tiny house as a bug out location or a retreat mm -hmm. house or a vacation home. And, um, yes. and I noticed that, you know, Ryan, I mean, you're, you're a pretty smart guy, but I think, your books and the papers you've written and things you have on your, on your, your website, um, people, you, you really can do all this yourself. And it's probably preferred way to get in a tiny house so you can yeah. tackle the issues and understand the power, understand when you had the water problem, then just go out and buy a $70,000, $150,000 tiny house. Wouldn't you recommend someone yeah. kind of doing the research and learning it themselves? Yeah, absolutely, because uh, when you look at housing, um, whether it's a traditional home or a tiny house, if you have someone build it for you, about 50 to 60% of that cost is labor. And so with tiny houses, it's a, an approachable size, or even not a tiny house, like a small home. It's a relatively a, a approachable size. And you can save yourself 50 to 60% on what will be the largest asset in your life, right? Most people's homes are the most expensive things that they own and that they will ever own and that they potentially could look to as a source of uh, cash or equity in their future. So the fact that I was able to build my own house means that the, the, the cost of it was dramatically reduced, which frankly just meant I could – you know, splurge on some extras and some higher grade materials uh, so that, you know, my, my house may be small, but it's pretty well appointed. And, um, and then on top of that, you know, especially from a prepper standpoint, like you learn a ton of skills. So I now know, you know, all about woodworking, you know, rough carpentry, fine carpentry, 
finish work, uh, plumbing, electrical, solar, you know, generators, uh, all that kind of stuff. Those are like super practical skills. And I, I know, Forrest, you said this many times, like if you don't have valuable skills, what use are you to other people in a disaster, right? right? If you want to be part of a group, yeah. if you want to be a member of your, you know, of the community, if you want to make sure that your family has the best chance for success at a disaster, you need to be able to pony up some skills. And a tiny house was a great platform for me to learn on all those things because, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a white collar worker. I don't have uh, those types of skills. I don't, have a lot of friends that do those types of work. So it just wasn't something that I was ever exposed to. So I had to teach myself. And now I have this really great set of skills that uh, I can rely on in a disaster or in good times to save money. Yes, that is awesome. And so you've learned these skills and these skills will stick with you. And yeah, the statement I make is I'm a little bit more direct than you. If you don't have any skills... (laughs) <laughs> I know you're laughing. If you don't have skills, you're useless. And so you were a little bit nicer about it than when I say it. But wow, it's, I mean, so, but yes, and so you've gained all these skills because one, you're kind of, your life, I, I guess it doesn't depend on it because you could sell it and go get in a hotel room or an apartment, but you put yourself in a position to have to learn these skills. And now these are skills that you, uh, skill sets that you have that you can help others, you can, and you have, even with your books, your blogs, your, you know, your downloads, your, your solar oven. Um, um, so you're using your skills for good instead of evil. <laughs> I don't even know why I went there. But, I mean, that's, um, that's pretty awesome. And so, um, yeah, that's um, – so would you say that um, one of the best decisions you've ever made personally and after that, would you say that you have to be under the age of like 35 and single to do this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, yeah, I think it was one of the better decisions that I made just because uh, it changed my life in ways that I never really could have comprehend. And then I, I still even frankly struggle to like fully grasp the implications of the positive nature that it, it kind of brought into my life. Um, I mean, I always had writing a book on my bucket list, but it was one of those like super stretch goals that like I honestly never thought would be happening. And then I'll tell you, I had something really funny happen. I had a publisher come to me and offer me a contract. I didn't have an agent. Wow. I wasn't looking. They came to wow. me. And that Same was thing here. Because... Same thing. Yo, <laughs> I'm yeah, kidding. Yeah. I, I'm kidding. But go ahead. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, and then also uh, – but I'll also say this. It was one of the, the most difficult things I've ever done in my life, right? It was hard work. It gave me a very large appreciation to uh, the people that go out every single day and do work like that, whether it's, you know, home building or construction, uh, different blue-collar trades work, things like that, Uh huge amount of respect after me, like basically uh, feeling like I was dying after just doing like one long day's worth of work. And I, I remember I worked with, um, I had uh, one guy come out and help me when I was doing the rat, uh, the roof framing because I needed basically a second set of hands to, to handle all that. And he was an actual uh, builder. And I remember he, he's a real nice guy. He was, he's probably in his fifties, mid fifties. And I show up 8 a.m. That's when he wanted to start. And I was like, okay, cool. We'll start at 8 a.m. And I, I roll up there and he hops out of the car. He's like, okay, I'm ready to work. I, and then we were talking. He's like, I, I just finished working out the gym. This is a 55-year-old guy that just worked out before he came to come work for me. And that dude ran circles around me all day. And at the end of the day, I, I honestly felt like I was going to die after working that hard. And this is what this guy does every single day. So, um, yeah, it was one of the most difficult things that I've ever done. Um, I learned a ton about it. And, it was, you know, it was kind of like a, a trial in a way. You know, it was one of those, those things that you kind of push through. And there was times I wanted to quit. 
and things like that. But at the end of it, I knew I was building a life for myself. I knew I was bettering my, my future, uh, that I was going to change my financial outlook, and that it was going to have big implications. Um, so to the second part of your question, you know, do you have to be young and single? Um, and the answer is no. And in fact, the majority of people who are interested in tiny houses and that do go to tiny houses are 55 plus. And uh, some of them are married couples. Some of them are oh, widows. Oh, are you serious? 55-year-olds? Of course, they're probably buying their own. They're buying it then. Are they not? Some of them, yeah. Some of them some are getting them? out there. It, it's really wow. amazing. You know, um, every year we do what's called um, tool school. And I teach people who have never used tools how to use them, basically power tools. And every single year I get letters afterwards saying like, hey, Ryan, I came to the conference. I learned the skills. I got hands-on. I got over my fear of using a table saw or whatever it was. And here's the picture of my house. And that's happened hundreds of times. Wow. And these are people so, that – these are bankers. These are homemakers. These are men, women, old, young, you name it. All of them have been able to do that. Wow, that's that's crazy. So it is a lifestyle change because imagine I'm just imagining right now if I had no power bill, I had no <laughs> I mean no gas bill because I did my gas I have gas heat and mm-hmm. no no um, mortgage um, mm-hmm. and probably no mortgage insurance and all that you know with that right. as well. Oh my goodness, I would be rich. <laughs> well, not only that, but think about the opportunity cost there, right? Because not only are you not spending that money, but now suddenly you have that money that you could uh, start a new business. Uh, you could get more prepared. You could keep more money in the bank for a rainy day so that if right. you were to lose your job in the future, it's <clears> like, you know what, hun? No big deal. We got money in the bank. That's exactly what it's there for. We're going to be okay. And I think when it comes to job loss, that is one of the most comforting things that you can be able to say, whether it's just to yourself or to your spouse, is like, listen, we have this money set aside for a rainy day fund because we prepared. And that's just, you know, super so let me, helpful. So let me ask you this. Um, I downsized into a tiny house myself. I'm not sure if I ever told you this, but. A couple of years ago, I lived in about a 5,000-square-foot house, and I, my wife, we downsized, and so we're in like half that now. Is that considered a tiny house? <laughs> and our, <laughs> and well, our payments are half? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, it's more of a mindset than an actual, right. Like, right. actual structure, right? Because yeah. the the larger implication of – tiny houses is not going to be getting people into small little tiny houses that are 150 square feet. What it is going to probably do is for a large number of people, get them to realize, hey, there's options. Hey, I have control over my own destiny. You know, I can make these decisions for myself to live my best life, and that's going to open up all these doors for me. And that is incredibly freeing, right? Like that's where you start to really change how people live their lives and, you know, not have money problems, which means you're probably going to have less marital problems. You know, all these things don't necessarily have to happen in the context of a tiny house. They could happen in, you know, a a guy and his wife moving from 5,000 square feet to 2,500 square feet and having less payment and enjoying life more, you know? So yeah, a lot of it, people that, focus yeah. on tiny houses, but it's not really about the houses. It's really about the lifestyle. I guess um, when you're old like me and with kids, yeah. it's one's in college. When you downsize, though, you forget how much stuff that you've acquired. And that's, yeah. kind of been, the, that's been the biggest adjustment. Like I'm looking, I'm in my studio and I'm looking out in front of me and I have a foosball table. This is the real foosball table that professional, I mean, the tournaments is called a tornado. Yeah. It's, it's the, it's the real nice one that wouldn't even fit in your house. 
<laughs> I mean, you could not play that in your house. And I could not imagine not having a foosball table. And over to my left in my studio, I have a, a ping pong table. Then I have the Garvinator, which is a video game. I mean, this stuff uh, is, there's just no way I can, oh, and then the, you know, the large screen. I mean, anyway, yeah, I've got a <laughs> lot of stuff. And you know what? When the grid goes down and the EMP happens, that foosball table is still going to work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so is the ping pong table. <laughs> I, I'm the king of the table, by the way, here at the house. Um, oh, yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so you've helped many people, one, accomplish a, not only a dream of maybe getting off grid, but it's almost like a financial um, benefit because, I mean, right now your house payment, zero, your your power bill, zero, Um I mean, it, it also allows people to get on their feet, build that nest egg that you were saying, and mm-hmm. kind of can give them a jump start in life. If you're, especially a younger person or a younger couple, it could give you a huge jump start where you could save money and spend it in traveling or, or um, you know, gosh, your car might have more square footage than your room, your house. No, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, my car is almost <laughs> the same length as my house. <laughs> <laughs> And I, you know, even though a tiny house is their own trailers, I'm sure your car cannot pull your house. Can it? No, no, no. Okay. No, but um, but but to that point, you know, like, it, tiny houses are activators for all those things. And, and the other thing to note too is, it's not, it doesn't have to be a, your forever house, right? The, for many people, and I count myself included in this. It is a stepping stone, right? So um, what I hope to do is eventually meet someone and then decide to, you know, get married and then we're going to probably have a small home. Uh, The difference is I'm hoping to pay for that home with cash and then never have a mortgage in my life. And so – And I will be – yeah. And so the tiny house, I know a lot of you guys are probably listening going, well, I would never do a tiny house. It's don't okay. Take tiny house out of it. It's the concept of one is buying something smaller, something you can afford, something that you can maybe build yourself, um, getting off the grid because you have more experience. Even though you're a tiny house guy, you have more experience in off really living off grid than most. Probably I I can't even think of anyone that lives off the grid, and you have the real world experience. Yeah, you have the real world, world blah, 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 the real world experience of doing that. I don't know anyone right now that I can set that I can think of that actually totally lives off the grid, except you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So and it's and with that comes knowledge and skills, and with that comes power. You feel powerful. <laughs> <laughs> Some days. <laughs> yeah. Others, no. But it also gives you perspective, too, because you understand, like, really how amazing and fortunate we are to live in a country where, you know, we walk up to our sink and we turn it on and we never question if water is going to run out of it. Or we turn on those lights and we never question if the lights are going to come on. And all these other opportunities that we have in our lives that we as Americans or many first world people, obviously, if you're listening to this on a podcast, probably on a, you know, $800 plus phone, um, you are one of the the more privileged people on this earth and we all have been given this gift and we need to be thankful for it. So, um, you know, off grid living gives me a little bit of perspective into that when like, (laughs) huh, Lights didn't turn on. Okay, and now we got to figure that out, you know, and, and just realizing, like, um, what goes into all that. So, yeah. Right. Yes. So um, I, it, it, we're coming down to the end of this, and I wanted to um, – this is kind of where I'm going to talk a little bit, Ryan, just because – Go for it. Uh, um, no, the reason is because I want our my listeners to know that Ryan is someone – he's on my – um, Pepernet panel. Uh, he's an expert um, panel member. Ryan is someone I've been meeting with for, I don't know, would you say at least a year? Kind of, we, you know, 
We've been meeting. Yeah, at least. Yeah, and you have probably helped me more than any other other individual that I can think of because I created this thing called the Carolina Prepper Network, and you would you you I was so fascinated with what you were doing with the tiny life and how you were making money and you were helping people and doing these conferences. And I'm like, wow, if I could just be like Ryan, (laughs) but you actually, I mean, you've shared your knowledge, even with the marketing, the funnels. I know you drew a photo of the funnels last time and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. And you recommended (laughs) books. Yeah. And you, you probably helped me probably more than any other individual I can think of when it comes to, Thinking through PrepperNet, thinking through and validating some of the things I'm doing, telling me I'm a, you know, that's dumb, don't do that. You probably <laughs> helped me, which you, you, I know you say that a lot. You probably helped me <laughs> in that arena more than any other person I can think of. Um, I mean, I'm just being legit and real in that. Um, and all this is new to me. You've lived this. I mean, you started talking funnels. I know at our last, um, we were, was it City Barbecue we went to, I think? And, and you were drawing on the funnels and, and, and how to do my, the business. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I, there's so much I need to learn when it comes to marketing. Or, and, or, and then, I, you know, I talk to you about the podcast sometimes because you used to do a podcast. And I, I, and I went, even went down to your, you know, the company you own down there and, and um, but you've been very helpful, and I just wanted to say thank you. It, it you've been um, awesome, a, a good friend, and uh, you know just helping me with you know and training me and teaching me. And then you would tell me something like this funnel thing, and I'm like, okay, I got to go learn how to do this now. And so I'm reading books now because of things you've already recommended. I mean, this entire I used to read books. Um, called nonfiction books where people just make stuff up, you know, <laughs> isn't that the nonfiction? Yeah. Fiction. And, and now, yeah, fiction, that's fiction. So fiction. Yeah, that's right. I don't know where I'm going here, but I mean, what I'm thinking there, but you like every month you would mention something. I'm like, crap, I got to go read this now. And I would go in. So my entire life went from fiction books to nonfiction because of you and because of things I need to learn. So thanks for that. <laughs> totally changed my <laughs> totally changed my audible. They're like, what is going on with this guy? He used to be fiction and now he's just trying to learn stuff. But I do want to thank you publicly for just being on the panel and um also just just sometimes sitting across the table telling me what I'm doing right and wrong and giving me ideas and and giving me like mountains to you know to conquer. So I do want to thank you for that. So uh, appreciate it. Thank you very much for that. Yeah, absolutely, man. And you know what? And also, PrepperNet members as a whole throughout the United States, um, I'm going to ask you, just go to the Tiny Life. Go look at the solar thing. I mean, do that out of thanks because without some of his guidance, we wouldn't be where we are today. So just I ask you to go to the Tiny Life. Go to the, uh, the the preparedness experience. Go to the Vegas thing. Just do it. Um, you wouldn't be a member today, probably, if it wasn't for Ryan Mitchell helping me out. So, um, so Ryan, if you would give us like all your digits, all your websites, uh, and sum up, and your phone number, and social security number, and credit card number, <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Exact location, blood type, <laughs> DNA. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> But uh, yeah, yeah, so you can for on the prepper side, you can find me at thepreparenessexperience.com, which you can find our podcast. Uh, we do our live uh, YouTube videos most Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern on YouTube, uh, and the the channel is called the Preparedness Experience. There, uh, obviously, check out our conference, which is coming up in March 22nd through 24th in Las Vegas, uh, and. Then on the Tiny Life side, you know, my tiny houses, uh, so the tinylife.com where we focus on, you know, practical tools for everyday simple living. And that includes tiny houses, minimalism, and homesteading, and a whole range of topics about off-grid living, simple living, uh, 
solar, you name it, um, is all there. So check us out there. I appreciate it. And Forrest, man, thanks for having me on. Oh, yeah. Hey, it's my pleasure. And also, it's going to be kind of interesting because, you know, Brian Duff is also my um, expert panel. And you are. And now I'm going to go ahead and out. I've never met Dale. And it's going to be kind of interesting, um, you know, because Dale in his own right is an expert and many things, um, and Lisa as well. So um, mm-hmm. I, I may ha- I mean, I've never, have I ever talked to Dale? I guess, I'm even not sure if I do. I know we're, we're friends on some of the social media things, but I actually yeah. joined his, um, his academy at one point. So I can't wait. Mm-hmm. That's going to be fun. I cannot wait to get to Vegas. That's going to be awesome. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for being yeah, a mentor. Thank you for having thank me. You for yeah, thanks for being on my panel, and um, looking forward to some more crazy ideas <laughs> that you're going to give me that I'm going to have to research and learn how to do. So um, thanks for being on, and guys, um, appreciate you guys listening to the Prepping Academy. You know, you can find us at preppingacademy.com, and, you know, and also make sure you go and visit Ryan's site. Also, you can go to, um, find us on uh, at Preppernet dot com as well so you guys have a great day and we shall talk to you later thanks for listening to the prepping academy podcast preppers unite at www.preppingacademy.com